All right, for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Jared Blaukamp. I'm Pastor Bernie's youngest son, also a graduate of the Bible school here, the, the International School of Ministry. And um, for the past 10 weeks, I've been gone. Usually I uh, speak about once a month here, but for the past 10 weeks, I've been gone on a missions trip. Um, I spent on the road for eight weeks. We spent one week in eight different cities across America through the Every Heart Movement. So we partnered with one local church in each of the eight different cities that we were partnered with and just to stoke the flame for, for Jesus and for revival, hitting the streets and evangelism and pressing in. We did outdoor worship gatherings. Sometimes we like just showed up to a park where a lot of people were, started playing worship and preaching the gospel and, you know, different things like that. And so we traveled all across the country and uh, that's kind of where I've been for the while. But so I led, I had the privilege of leading a team, me and one other, uh, my co-leader, we led a, t- a team of seven others, so there's nine of us in total. And we hit the cities of Battle Creek, Michigan, Croswell, Michigan, Cincinnati, Ohio, Kingsport, Tennessee, Denver, Colorado, Colorado Springs, Colorado, Las Vegas, Nevada, St. George, Utah. So uh, my team was one of six teams that traveled across the country. I-, I listed all those cities. We traveled in 15 passenger vans, so drove crisscross all across the country. Throughout all of the six teams, uh, we estimated that we, our, our vans drove over 30,000 miles between all of us <laughs> across the country. So, uh, and no really big problems with our vans, praise God. We all made it home safely. So that's a, that's a testimony in and of itself. But with the rest of my time today, I'm going to share some, just some testimonies. I'm just going to kind of go week by week. I'm going to blitz some of these testimonies. It's kind of hard for me just to sum up the entire week of everything God did in one little story. But these stories are pretty awesome, just like, just a testimony of what God can do. And so I'm going to share a testimony. We'll hit, blitz some ones from different places around the country. And then um, I'm just going to share a message that God kind of like downloaded to me while I was on the road. And I feel like pertains to us today. So I'm going to pray and then let's do this. So Jesus, we love you, God. We thank you, Jesus. God, we are so honored, so honored that we get to live life with you. God, there's, there's other religions, <laughs> there, there are other faiths where people go on mission for their God, but Lord, you are the only one who goes on mission with us. You're the only one. Oh, we love you so much, God. You are worthy of everything, everything that I have, everything that I own, Jesus, my life, my breath, Lord, my waking hours, you're worth it all, Jesus. You're worth my everything. And Lord, I pray, Father, that tonight, Jesus, we would see a new side of your power. We'd see a new side of your face tonight, that we would know you more and more and more until the day that we see you face to face. Lord, I love you. I'm honored to serve you, God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I also wanted to welcome everybody who's watching online, tuning in. Welcome. So glad that you're joining us here tonight. And so, all right, so we're just going to blitz. So the first week we spent in Battle Creek, we partner, we're partnered with actually two separate churches. One of them is actually a friend of, of this house. It's a Res Life church plant in Battle Creek called Victory Life. And so we're really good friends with them. And so we minister with our youth and young adults throughout the week. 
Um, and then we held a gathering on Friday. They have this park called Friendship Park, and it's literally like right in the center of downtown. And so we set up this huge speaker system right downtown and just started blasting this worship music. Like you could hear it almost like you could hear it so far away. There was like this other community event that was happening like neighboring to us, and they were like trying to play music, and then we'd play worship music, and it was just kind of like this battle, but people like were drawn in by the music. Um, and so this first testimony actually kind of starts before tour. My co-leader, her name was Cosette, she actually traveled to Nepal three weeks before she went on this tour around the, around the uh, United States. And so while in Nepal, she got really close with one of, her, um, one of her cohort members. She was on a nursing stint out there doing medical missions. And so she got really close to this girl named Jessica. And over the course of that time, Cosette started ministering to Jessica and realized that, man, there was some like demonic oppression that, was, that she was, had been dealing with for a while. And so one night when she was in Nepal, um, she kind of just opened up about all these different things. And my co-leader actually got to lead her through like a deliverance. And she got like freed from all of these different types of spirits while she was on like a medical missions trip. And then on top of that, she had been diagnosed with scoliosis since she was like really, really little. And so her spine literally was like an S. It was like really, really bad. Gave her a ton of pain all the time. And when she like went through this deliverance moment, she prayed for healing and she felt like a shift occur in her back. And so we had no idea. Cosette, that was like three weeks before our tour, after she got back from Nepal, wasn't really thinking about it. Long story short, this girl, Jessica, shows up at our gathering on, at, in Battle Creek, Michigan, she drove the she drove the way over. She's from she's from America, but she drove to this gathering. She shows up, and we were like all like awestruck, like what? Oh my gosh, it's Jessica. That's crazy. And so she shows up to this gathering, and she shows up with her phone out, and she's got pictures. And she literally she had gone to the doctor and gotten X-rays that morning, and she showed us the before pictures of her spine. And there was like a literally like an S and then after, the, like that day, earlier that day, her spine was completely straight. God completely like 100% healed her. So she participated in everything in the gathering. And then that night she decided that she wanted to get baptized and like make a public declaration that I'm following Jesus for the rest of my life. So we hopped in the, the Battle Creek River. We hopped in the Battle Creek, dunked her, and she came up. Everyone was hooping and hollering, just giving, it was so awesome, but... So that was, that was Battle Creek. From Battle Creek, we went to Croswell. So that was our second week. And in Croswell, we got to minister with just another youth group there. One thing I noticed there was how powerful it is to, like, speak life into the next generation. There was, like, we walked into a culture that was a little bit, like, sarcastic, just like to poke fun at all each other. But it was just amazing that when we came in and we just chose to see the best inside of them, we chose to like pull out the gold that was inside of these kids, they actually flourished into things that they wouldn't have done normally. We went there last, I went there last summer as well, and so I built some relationships last summer. But the kids that I like ministered, and some of them actually like gave their lives to the Lord last year, they were the ones that were leading out like evangelism groups like on their own this year. And so it was like super cool just to see like the transformation that occurred. 
um, one wild testimony. This is like kind of just like a discipleship testimony. One girl, she was, in, she was in middle school. Her name's Ariana. She got really rocked by the Lord and connected really well with one of our other team members. And to this day, Ariana and my team member are walking through like the book of James together. And they're like continually having like these conversations about what it looks like to leave like old friends behind to find like a new community in Christ. And it's just crazy. Like God's moving super wildly through her life, which is so awesome. So from Croswell, I'm sorry, I'm blitzing, I'm going fast, but we got, a, we got somewhere to go and I'm really excited to share all these things. So um, from there, we went to Cincinnati. Cincinnati was absolutely crazy. Cincinnati, Ohio. There's been such like a prayer and intercession move over Cincinnati, Ohio for years. And so this year, it was just termed like harvest time. We engaged in like so much street evangelism throughout that week and over the course of that week with like some of our gatherings included and like one-on-one personal evangelism, our team saw 60 people come to know Jesus, like make real deal decisions to follow Jesus who had not like heard the gospel even before that or like recommit their life to Jesus. And so 60 people that like, that were not saved before we got there are now like walking in relationship with God, connected to local churches, which is so crazy. One of those testimonies was this guy we met literally in an, like in the alley, in the alley downtown Cincinnati and he was like, just had a bunch of tattoos, just like a big, like tough guy. His name was Jesse, all these different things. We share the gospel with him. The power of God like hits him because he's never heard the gospel before. And we share, we're sharing things like, you know, when you say yes to Jesus, it's not, it's not Jesus incorporated. Like you don't just incorporate Jesus into your existing life and then your existing life becomes better. No, like you lay down your life. You're saying, I'm giving up my life and I wanna, I wanna find a new life in Jesus. So I'm turning away from this old life. I'm turning away from my sin. I'm turning away from my brokenness and I wanna find Jesus and I wanna find life in him. I wanna find the fullness of life in him. And this guy understood like, okay, that, and that means I'm saying no to like drugs. Like I'm saying no to like these gangs and different violence things that I'm involved in. And he said, you know what? Like I can see now like Jesus is worth it. And like the power of God just like hit him. He has tears in his eyes in like the street in an alleyway in Cincinnati, Ohio. Like this, this, this like big macho tatted up guy is like crying because like the God of the universe is meeting him face to face. And then, so he gives his life to Jesus, has a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. And then literally like minutes after that happens, we're like, our, our team is kind of like moving out, like about to say bye. Another guy comes up to this guy, this big tough guy, his name is Jesse, comes up to Jesse and tries to start picking a fight with him. Tries to like, like they, he used to do. And he was like starting to get all riled up. And then my friend Brennan turned around and like looked at him and said something to the effect of, dude, like what did we just talk about? Like that's the old man, isn't it? And the, uh, Jesse literally like understood in the moment. He was like, yeah. And he was like, bro, get away from me. I'm not like dealing with you. And like totally just like made a heart change. And so that was just super cool. Like, but just each one of those 60 people that gave their life to the Lord, like had an individual testimony similar to Jesse's where like, man, the power of God just hits them. You know, we hear like a number, like 60 people come to know Jesus, right? But each one of those like coming to know Jesus has a story, has like a, a history of brokenness. And then Jesus met them there. And that's why they were set free and made whole. Um, absolutely crazy. 
from, from Cincinnati. We went to Tennessee. The crazy testimony in Tennessee is two of my team members led an evangelism group, met a lady who had been blind for 40 years, and they, pray, they felt like God was asking them to pray for her, so they lay their, hands, lay their hands on her and pray one time. She says, I can see something kind of faintly, but like not really like anything, any noticeable change or anything. And that like reminded our team of the story in Mark 8. And I'm actually going to read it out of Mark 8. This is verse 22, starting in verse 22. It says, Then Jesus came to Bethsaida, and they brought him a blind man and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. And he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house and said, neither go into this town nor tell anyone in the town. So like Jesus prayed one time, right, or put the mud on his eyes. He said, can you see anything? He's like, ah, I see something like trees kind of walking around. Jesus is like, mm, not quite what I was going for. Let me go again. And so he like goes again. And then this guy's full sight is restored. So my friends, they pray the first time. And they, this lady is like, ah, it's kind of there. And they're like, man, if Jesus gets two prayers, I for sure get two prayers. And so they, they pray again. And long story short, this woman, after 40 years of being blind, God completely opens her eyes through the prayer. And she like had seen for the first time in 40 years. On top of that, she was like dealing with arthritis in her, in her wrists and arthritis, arthritic pain and couldn't move her wrists at all without any pain. They prayed for that and God completely restored like her mobility without pain and healed her of like the arthritis that she was dealing with in her hands. And then on top of that, her friend who was sitting next to her was not a believer in Jesus and then heard all of these things that were happening next to her and, and her friend and she decided that she wanted new life in Jesus and she gave her life to the Lord. So just absolutely crazy. And we got to partner with a youth group there, lead like a youth conference. And these kids, like two of the kids that were a part of the youth conference were with my two team members as they saw this woman's eyes opened, like from being blind. And so like, imagine you're a high schooler, you've, you've only known Sunday and Wednesday Christianity, and now you're walking the streets and you just saw Jesus open some blind person's like, that's going to wreck your life. Like, you know, it's like, I can never be the same after that. I just, I just literally saw a blind woman see for the first time. So absolutely crazy so awesome we um you know we went to denver and colorado springs and had powerful encounters in both of those cities um one thing that we say all the time when we go on evangelism is that we're not the first ones to go out we're not the first ones to go out and hit the streets it says in ephesians 2 10 it says that we are god's workmanship created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in so the reality is, like, I'm stepping out on these streets. In a lot of ways, I feel really nervous. I feel like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. But the reality is, like, God's already done the, some level of work before you ever hit the streets in order to make your time, like, successful. He already did it. Like, he already moved inside of people's hearts. He already softened people's hearts. He already sowed seeds years before you ever showed up. And now, like, you get to, like, either sow a seed into their life or you get to see the harvest of that seed. And specifically, one testimony in Denver, one of my teammates was walking around. She was, like, walking the streets of Denver and saw this girl that the Lord, like, highlighted to her. So she comes up, just says, hey, I feel like God wanted me to talk to you. Is there anything that's, like, you're going on? Long story short, this girl was dealing with anxiety and literally the night before, so I think this was a Wednesday, so on Tuesday night, 
Tuesday night, this girl was so ridden with anxiety that she decided to pray to Jesus for the first time in six years. And so she was like, this is crazy that you're running into me, that you're talking to me about Jesus. Like, I literally just prayed for the first time six, in six years last night. Are you telling me that God's really after my heart? And my friend's like, I think I am. Like, like here's the gospel. She shares the gospel. This girl, like, rededicates, gives her life to Jesus. And, like, that's, like, how, that's our God, though. Like, is that, that's crazy. God is after, like, people in our everyday life, and he's, he wants to pursue them, and he wants them for deep relationship with him, and he's willing to go such great lengths in order to find them. Like, he was like, hey, just say, like, a quick prayer to me. Like, this girl, after six years of not knowing, of, of not walking with Jesus at all, prays for the first time. The next day, we're walk, we happen to be walking the streets of Denver, and the Lord says, hey, that one. And she walks up to that one and it's like, that's just, mm, God loves us so much. And he loves his kids so much and he wants to be in relationship with us. And so from after Colorado Springs, we, there was a guy, I'll just blitz through this. The guy, there was a guy who had a gunshot wound, couldn't move his hand because of the gunshot wound. We prayed for him and God like completely restored all mobility in his hand. And his friend who was watching was a skeptic, didn't really believe in Jesus. His jaw was on the floor and he was like, bro, you couldn't do that before. What are you doing? Are you saying they just prayed for you? He's like, bro, they just prayed for me. And he's like moving his hand all like this. So super crazy. And then um, from Colorado Springs, we went to Las Vegas in Las Vegas, Nevada, God is on the move in literally the most sin-ridden city probably in the entire U.S. Like God is on the move. It's just so crazy. People in the most broken of situations are being encountered by the love and the power of God. We, there's like, there's a, a street in downtown Las Vegas called Fremont Street where there's like a bunch of street performers that go out and just a whole bunch of brokenness and sin just abounding everywhere. But long story short, that God gave us favor in order to get one of these performing circles on Fremont Street. And so we set up all our worship equipment inside of this, this uh, performing circle. And right there, and like thousands of people are walking by us and we're just singing out, Jesus, we love you. We're like, this is probably the first time mostly people ever heard like the name Jesus, especially on Fremont Street, just with all the levels of brokenness. And so just people like literally encountering the presence of God while they were intending to go gamble or tending to go do other crazy things and like and literally being stopped in their tracks and shared the gospel with and coming to know and coming to know Jesus and stepping into a fullness of relationship with him. By the end of the week in Las Vegas, we saw over 47 people give their lives to the Lord just through like personal encounters um, as a result of like that worship or through different gatherings types of things. And so super, super powerful I have so many stories from Las Vegas. I would love to share all of them. I think we'd be here all night, though, which would be so fun, but not tonight. Not tonight. The, our last stop was in St. George, St. George, Utah. And so that was week eight. Um, St. George, for those of you who don't know, is 68% Mormon. And so it's just like a heavily religious community, but n not really centered on Christianity at all. Um, the Mormon faith, Christian faith, not the same. And uh, very different, but it was just like, it was definitely a hard week of evangelism. But as we were praying, we felt like the Lord was calling us to just center on the love of God. 
because the Mormon faith is a lot about works and doing, you have to be better than you were yesterday. And if you're not better than you were yesterday, then there's a chance you won't make it into heaven, like all these different things. But there's no like real relationship with God that's birthed out of love. And so we saw the love of God literally break through like differently than in any city that we'd been to in the entire country. One testimony that kind of evidenced this, I was walking in a Walmart and I was, so I'm walking to Walmart, got my groceries in the cart, and I see this guy, and his name was Maurice. He was on the phone, and I, the Lord told me, like, dude, I want you to go talk with that guy. So I, I stop, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, hey, what's up? And I was like, hey, I feel like God wanted me to talk to you. Is there, like, anything, like, going on, anything like that? And the guy's like, dude, I'm, like, kind of on the phone right now. And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry. Um, well, I just felt like God wanted me to tell you. I just told him, I was like, I feel like God wanted me to tell you that he loves you so much. And when I said that to him, I just felt like, I don't know, it's just like an overwhelming sense of peace in me. Like, I've told people at other times, like, God loves them, and it hasn't really just, like, oh, yeah, God loves you, just kind of, like, in passing. But for some reason, like, this one was just full of conviction. Like, God loves you, man. He really does. And I was like, okay, like, see you later. And so, like, definitely left. And I was like, I feel, like, oddly good about that encounter. You know, like, that felt really good. He didn't, like, give his life to the Lord, didn't, like, didn't cry, didn't do any of those things. But I was like, man, I feel, like, good about that. I don't know why. And so I'm like, keep shopping. And then all of a sudden, this guy, his name's Maurice, he passes by again. I go, hey, Maurice, like, how's it going, man? And he turns and looks at me. And as soon as he looks at me, like, tears start welling up in his eyes. And he walks up to me, gives me this huge handshake, and he goes, you don't know me. You don't know what happened in my life. This, that, the third, all these. He starts listing off all these things that are happening in his life. And he goes, when you said that God loved me, it broke everything. And I knew that, I knew that God was real. And I knew that God was in my life. And I knew that he wanted to pursue me. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, yep. And so, and so I just give him this huge hug. I give him this huge hug. And he was like, dude, thanks so much. Have a great day. And I, he like wheels away just as quick as he came. And I'm still sitting here like looking at my friend. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> like, that was crazy. I was like, should I go like share the gospel with him? So I go and try to find him. The dude's like gone. I don't know where he went. He must have left the store like in a quick, like quick manner. I don't know. But like that was just, man, the love of God. I literally said, I said probably 10 words to this guy total. 10 words, and like God used that in order to like minister to directly to his heart. Like I didn't have some crazy word of knowledge. I didn't pray for him and he stood up out of a wheelchair. Like I didn't, I didn't do any of these crazy wild things, some of which you just heard. Like I didn't see any of those crazy things, but God knew where he was at and he knew exactly what he needed to hear and the right word at the right time. It didn't sound pretty. It didn't sound fancy. Like I literally interrupted his phone call. Like, you know, like there probably wasn't even the right time to go, but like God used it for his glory and ministered to that person. And so even through that testimony, just sharing just a little bit of an encouragement is like, we don't have to have it all together. Like you don't have to have the right words. You don't have to have memorized all of like the theological like debate things or like all of the ways to debunk postmodernism. like you don't have to have all of those things in your belt now should you maybe you know those are good tools to have but at the same time like if you're going to use that as a disqualifier for you going out to share the gospel that's not it like God is so big and he can use anything in our lives in order to impact people that are around us in our everyday like all it took was one little step of faith. The common denominator in all of those testimonies that I just shared over those eight weeks, all different parts of the country, it was the same. There's the common denominator is it all just took one step of faith. 
Like it took just as much as a step of faith for me to walk up to this guy and say, hey, God loves you, as it did for my friends to say, hey, God wants to open your blind eyes. And like me, I, I'm only responsible for my step of faith. I can't, I can't change. I can't make the words God loves you. I can't have that hit somebody's heart in a way that makes them cry. Like I can't do that in and of myself. I can't lay my hands on a, on a blind person's eyes and have them see. Like, I can't do that in and of myself. But I don't have to. All I have to do is take the step of faith and trust that the God inside of me is going to make up the difference in my life. That's all I have to do. And as, we, as we're going out in our different areas and our different circles, like, that's all that God is asking of us to do. It's just one little step of faith. Well, there's like a phrase that we kind of use in the Every Heart Movement as we're kind of talking about evangelism, and it's, it's simple obedience changes history. Like for this woman who had been blind for 40 years, like a simple step of obedience changed her, changed her history. Like what is she going to be able to do now that she can see? Like how is she going to be able to worship God now that she can see? She was already a believer at the time. Like that's crazy. It's changed the course of her life drastically. One simple step of obedience. Like what could simple obedience do for us in our everyday life? You know, it might, it might be something as grandiose as blind eyes being opened or people being saved off the street and out of broken, abusive relationships and into like great, awesome, like homes that where they're safe and can get their feet underneath them and everything like that. It might be, but it also might be, hey, God loves you. And that's exactly what they need to hear. It's not like a form or it's a model. It's simply following the spirit of God in simple steps of obedience, simple steps of faith. That's what changes people and that's what changes history. And I think, we're, I think we can all do that. I think we all can take little steps of obedience. There's no pressure to make it like something grandiose or to have this insane like fruit, like success in evangelism. And success is not, it's not in like the fruit that you see. It's in obedience to the one who told you to go. That's success. And when I'm faithful to take the step of obedience, whether 19 people all give their lives to the Lord crying and speaking in tongues, like whether that happens or whether they all turn their nose at me and give me the finger, like whatever happens, if I was faithful to like Jesus and his, that's success. And that's what Jesus is after. Let me just pray and before we transition to this next one, God, thank you. Lord, we could have none. I could not do anything, Jesus, that I just described. None of that was from me, God. None of it, Jesus. It was all from you. Everything is from you, God. Everything is for you and everything is to you. So Jesus, we pray that you'd receive all the glory from every single one of those testimonies. It all goes unto you, Jesus. You open the blind eyes, God. Jesus, Lord, you, you hit Maurice's heart to the point of tears, Lord God. You healed the gunshot wound. Jesus, you did it. You healed scoliosis and made it straight, Lord. That was all you, Father. We praise you. There's, you're so good, Lord. What the enemy meant for evil, Lord, you turned around for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, you, the enemy tried so hard to keep these people bound and broken, and now I'm using that bound and brokenness as a testimony of your goodness. That's got to make the enemy so mad. <laughs> Jesus, I love you so much. You are so good, Father. We love you. There's nobody like you, God. Nobody like you. Oh, man, there's no one. No one. No other God can open blind eyes, Jesus. No other God can heal gunshot wounds. No, one, no other God can soften hearts of big macho men and, and 
bring them to points of salvation, Lord. No other God can do that. Jesus, it's only you. You are the only God that's worth serving, the only God that's worth giving our lives to, Jesus. You're the only God. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just give a hand clap for Jesus? So good. Come on. All right. So that was the testimony time. I'm going to blitz and share just a, a quick little word that I feel like God has laid on my heart for tonight. And specifically where this is kind of birthed out of is kind of my individual team dynamic. I was traveling with eight other people for 10 weeks. And we were in a van traveling, you know, sometimes 20 hours plus across the country. And so you might be asking yourself this question, like, man, how do you guys, like, still like each other? You know, like, after spending all that time together in all those close quarters, like, you know, robbed of comforts and entitlements and all these different things. And one of the ways that we really saw transformation happen in our team was through what, what I like to call prayer-centered encouragement and then truthful conviction and correction. And that's one of the things that kept us together in such good, such like unity. And one of the more powerful testimonies of the entire summer is that the, like my eight team members are 100% different from when they came in to like where they're going. One specific example is one girl on my team was like ridden with anxiety when she came in and was like struggling with panic attacks very frequently throughout the summer. But she got like freed in a moment Right, but gradually we like, she understood her authority in Christ and authority over certain thoughts that would come into her mind that she didn't have to give into those things, right? And while all of that was happening, God showed me in like a time of prayer, actually in a time of, we were like ministering, a time of ministry, that she has like a speaking gift on her life and that the enemy through anxiety was trying to rob that speaking gift from her. And so I called it out in her one day. I said, you have a speaking gift, and guess what? You're speaking two weeks from now to this youth group. And I like, just gave her like that practical step for her to take. And you should have seen it. Like she was like freed. She was freed from anxiety at that point, like completely freed from the panic attacks. The, whole, the first four weeks of tour, she struggled with panic attacks. The last four weeks of tour like had none was completely freed from it. And like that was like unheard of for her. And then on top of that, when she grabbed the mic, like the anointing of God just fell on the room. It was just like, you're saying all the same things I would have said, but it sounds a lot better coming from you. It's just like, it's just so good. Like, and it just moved in power and people were getting convicted and people were getting like transformed by the love of Jesus, right? And I think one thing the Lord was teaching me through, through even just that testimony is that the way of Jesus is to see the best in people and call them into that greatness through truthful encouragement, prayer-centered encouragement, and truthful conviction. Some, so yeah, I got to walk with eight other amazing people throughout the course of the summer, and in prayer, God would show me certain things about these different people, just like she showed me that, or showed me that this girl had a speaking gift on her life. In some, in some circles of preachers and other times, it might be, you might have heard it called like calling out the gold in somebody. Calling out the gold. And the Lord show, started to show me like the gold that was inside of these people. And the analogy is like, man, if people are like a field, you look at the field and nothing really looks like extraordinary about the field. But if you were to look beneath the surface, 
you, you would see like this, this mine of gold that's underneath that maybe is hidden, that maybe they've covered up themselves, that maybe the enemy has tried to cover up. And me, like as a leader, my job, me as like a parent, me as, you know, whatever it is for you, me as a friend, like my job is to not just take people face value for the dirt that they've accumulated in your life. Because that's cheap. You can see it. You can see it plainly. It's easy to see the things that need correction in different people's lives. It's hard to look past all of that and to look, it's hard to look past the panic attacks. It's hard to look past the anxiety and look below and say, God's given you a speaking gift and that's what's gonna come out this summer, right? It's hard to see that, but when you go below the surface, that's what God is actually calling these people into is to seeing the gold. And so we, just because like you see the gold in somebody doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that you just sweep off the dirt, right? Or just like don't pay attention to the dirt. Like you see the gold and you're like, hey, that's underneath the surface, but see you later. You know, like duck out. Like me as a leader and for especially this summer, my job was to like see the gold, see that in them, but then also like commit to walking with them and saying, hey, like if we want to get to that gold in your life, like we got to understand like a little bit about authority. Like we got to understand a little bit about the word of God. Like we have to maybe let go of this certain thing that has, that is robbing you and this certain like lie that the enemy is deep rooted inside of you, right? And it, it's like when we have those conversations with people, these kind of like truthful corrections conversations, it's like we're going in and we're digging out. We're digging out like this dirt that's on the surface and we're like, man, and they're like asking you, man, how much more of this do I have to take? And you're like, man, I have a feeling we're close to the gold. Like just keep going, trust the process, right? And it's easy to see the dirt. Like I said before, it's easy to see the dirt in people's lives and it's easy to call out the dirt, call out that dirt in people's lives. But if you, if you don't see the gold inside of them, if you don't have an understanding of what God's actually gifted them in, then the correction or those conversations about the authority, about the word of God, they're gonna, come, they're gonna take offense at those. Because they're like, why are you pointing out these things? Are you saying I'm somebody less than what, like less than you? Like you gonna say this about me? Like am I not, you know, all of these different things. But if they understand and you understand that there is actually something like golden inside of them that's hidden underneath the surface, then they're gonna be so much more willing to have these conversations. Like when I was talking with my friend and I said, yo, you have a speaking gift on your life. And then on top of that, after that conversation, was willing to have those conversations about the authority of God, about the word of God. Like they were so much more well-received because she understood I wasn't just pinpointing her life to point out all of her flaws so that I could be the leader and she, you know, I could like, domineer over her like that wasn't it I was like hey there's something that God has placed inside of your life and I want to help you get there and so let's do it together and these tough things might have to go like from your life in order to get there and if you're willing to go there I'm willing to go there with you and we see like this kind of prayer-centered encouragement and truthful correction played out in the life of Jesus Jesus understood this fact when he called Peter he called him out in a way that definitely called out the gold that was inside of him. In Matthew 4, verse 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Like Jesus, he's walking along the side of the shore. He sees these guys that are, you know, casting nets out into the like to just catch some fish. They were just ordinary people, probably had been rejected from the religious schooling that some of their peers had experienced. And they just decided, you know what? I'm just gonna fish just like my dad did. And Jesus comes alongside the road and he says, no, 
you are not a fisher of fish, you're a fisher of men. Come and follow me. He says, there's gold inside of you. And like, if you'll follow me, you'll watch what that gold can do in your life. Right? And so Jesus pulled that out. However, Jesus wasn't afraid to confront and clear away the dirt that was trying to hide the gold inside of Peter's life. Just like in Ma- just a few chapters later in Matthew, in Matthew 16, Peter has his like awesome moment where he's like, you are the son of God, you are the Christ. You know, Jesus is asking the question, who do people say that I am? And Peter's like, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father is in heaven. Like Peter's probably feeling really good. And he's like, and you are Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church. Like all of these different things just happened. Like Jesus, again, just called out the gold in Peter's life. However, when Jesus was talking about his death, burial, and resurrection, and how he as the Messiah was going to have to die, that broke Peter's brain a little bit. And Peter, dumbfounded that the Messiah would actually have to die, he confronts Jesus. And he's saying that he shouldn't talk like that. He's like, Jesus, you're crazy, bro. You're not going to die. Like, you shouldn't have to die. You're the Messiah. Like, you can't die. And Jesus lovingly and sternly confronts Peter. This is Matthew 16, I believe, verse 23. He says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. And that was a tough, that was probably a tough blow for Peter, right? But it would be this sin of carnal mindedness that eventually led Peter to deny Jesus and almost compromise the thing that God had called him to, that he was going to be the pillar for, for Jesus' church, right? And so Jesus, he, he called out the gold that was inside of Peter. You are going to be a fisher of men. You are Peter, and on this rock I'll build your church. But then also he was like, yo, if you're going to do these things, like, you got to let this carnal mindedness, like it has to die. You have to come on a wavelength of heavenly mindedness. You can't just be thinking about the way that the world thinks. Like you have to think in the way that God thinks. In, in Proverbs verse 27, or chapter 27, verse 5 through 6, it says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. That's just like, man, over the course of this summer, I just found that, man, when you speak the truth to people and the truth about their life and the truth about what's actually going to help them in the long run, it actually does set people free. And sometimes I've been afraid to say that truth to people. I've been afraid because I'm thinking they don't want to hear it, right? But man, it's looking past like our personal relationship. It's looking past like whether they like me or not. Or not, it's looking to what is God birthed inside of them? What is the gold that God has inside of them? And that is worth a tough, a tough conversation. That is worth a potentially severed relationship for a week or two. But if they actually catch what I'm trying to convey out of love, it'll change them and they'll love me all the more for it. As we kind of wrap up here, just in summary, is that man, with the people that are around us, whether it's our kids, whether it's our wife or husband, whether it's our brothers, sisters, whether it's our coworkers, our friends, like whatever it is, whoever it is, like I would challenge us, like what is God's view of that person? What is the gold that God is trying to get in that person? And if nobody else is gonna call it out, you should call it out in them. Even if their life makes no sense, even if it doesn't make any sense, in right now with where their life is headed, it doesn't make any sense that they would be a preacher. It doesn't make any sense that they would be a wonderful father. It doesn't make any sense that they would be on top of it and in line and actually a good steward of their life. Like it doesn't, if it doesn't make any sense, that's okay. Like 
call out the gold in them, and then be willing to have those tough conversations because once you call out the gold in them, they're going to know that, man, I'm not out to get you. Like, I'm not out to get you. I'm actually out for, you, for your benefit. And so as we kind of close, everybody just close your eyes, bow your heads. You know, we've been talking about the story of Jesus. And even as Jesus called his first couple disciples, he looked at them. He met them where they were at. They were in the boat. They were just fishing, taking their normal day, not doing anything extraordinary. And Jesus showed up in that moment and he says, Come and follow me and I'll show you a life that you never thought you could ever live. I'll make you a fisher of men. In this story of Jesus, maybe there's some in the room, maybe there's some watching online that maybe have never really heard the story of Jesus before. Maybe have never felt Jesus' personal call, personal invitation to you to come and follow me. Jesus was a man, he lived 33 years on the earth and he, he lived a perfect life but died a sinner's death on the cross because the wages of the sin in our life, our shortcomings, was death. And so Jesus died a death on a cross, paying the payment for our sin. And now he offers us, by raising to life again, he offers us an abundant life in him. A life that's free from sin, turning from your sin and following in the way of Jesus. And just like Peter and Andrew, when they were sitting in the boat, they had no idea that the Messiah, the God of the universe, would invite them into a personal relationship. Some of you guys, even in this room and even online, that's, that's what Jesus is saying to you. He's saying, throw your nets aside. Come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. I'll, I'll show you what you were made for. I'll free you from your sin. I'll free you from the bondage. And so if that's you in the room or if you're watching online, I just want you to respond by raising your hand on the count of three. One. You're saying, Jesus, I, I want to follow you. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want to turn from my sin. I want to trust in you, Jesus. Two, three, that's you. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. So awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. So everybody, if you're in-house and you're watching online, just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. God, I receive your forgiveness. I turn from my sin and I want to walk in newness of life with you. I love you, God. Holy Spirit, fill me. Help me to walk this thing out right. Love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So awesome. Thank you, Jesus so good. Thank you guys so much for everything. Welcome me to be back here. It feels good to be back. So thank you guys.